in the beautiful West 7th neighborhood of St. Paul, Minnesota, you're listening to the Capital City Podcast. I come from a church that does 45-minute sermons. I am not going to be doing that. So I hope you enjoy a 15 to 20-minute message. Um, Yeah, so a little bit more about me. Family, we've got four kids. They're back here. They're anxious to make new friends later. So if anybody wants to come play with them, they love freeze tag. Uh, (laughs) I work for, the organization is called USA Homestays. So we work with international college students, mostly like Jordan said, Middle Eastern Muslims, but people from all over the world. And we wanna bring them to live with Christian families, to experience the gospel, hear it on a daily relationship in the warmth of the home. So if anybody's remotely interested in that, come talk to me afterwards, but this sermon is not a ministry pitch, so that's pretty much all you'll hear about it. Um, and, but because I work in hospitality, I wanted to talk about that. And uh, Jordan told me that there's a little bit of a chip on people's shoulders about the gospel comes with a house key, uh, that that's a commonly disparaged or disliked book. I've read about a dozen books on Christian hospitality, and I can say there are only two that I thought were any good. Um, so if you're interested in what they are, talk to me later. Uh, Gospel Comes with the House Key was not one of them. Um, but uh, I'll explain a little bit more about what I think is lacking in those books in a minute. Um, one problem with them is either they're too practical or they're too idealistic practical, you miss the heart of hospitality, which is what I really want to talk about today. What is God's heart behind this? Or books can skew too idealistic, where they focus so heavily on the heart that it sets a bar that's an impossible standard and ends up being more intimidating than encouraging. But I really think when we connect to the gospel, when we connect to how God expresses hospitality to us, it helps us approach hospitality with a fresh heart. And so also acknowledging that hospitality is hard. If there's anything in this that can move you to even just like pray about hospitality differently, I think that's a great thing. Hospitality, as you'll see when I get into this, I think it's at the center of what kingdom expression is. So I hope we can all learn to do that a little better. Um, Just so you know a little bit about my approach to hospitality too. I'm coming to you as somebody in hospitality recovery. Our family, we hosted Saudi Arabian students for five years before and during the pandemic. And then we burned out because hospitality is hard. Um, So I'm not coming here in that practical or idealistic place, but just like understanding and sympathetic to how hard this can be, but also recognizing that this is a big part of God's heart and wanting to pursue that. So first, um, before we get into like the hospitality text, I want to focus on Um, a little prologue text, Matthew 26, 6 through 10. If anybody wants to pull that out, feel free. Otherwise, I will read it. Matthew 26, 6 through 10, when Jesus is anointed at Bethany. So, now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. When the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, 
Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. Now, what does this have to do with hospitality? For me, it sets two fundamental assumptions that I think are helpful organizing principles when we come to a question of hospitality. One is that we are fundamentally relational beings. And in this, Jesus is less concerned with abstractly benefiting the poor with money or a cause as much as he is concerned with connecting in a personal way with this woman. So we are relational and we are to express love for one another in that relational context. Second, Jesus recognizes and praises this woman for doing something beautiful. And so I also think we as believers are called to beautify this world, to make it better, not in just a measurable, like progressive sense, but in a beautification kind of sense. So I believe hospitality is where these things intersect, or at least one way where these intersect, that we beautify the world and connect relationally in the context of opening our homes. Um, maybe the beautif beautiful part of that could be misconstrued. I don't mean like have a great looking home and everything's cleaned up, but I mean, there's something beautiful about just sharing food together, connecting with another person, laughter. I don't know, sometimes as Christians, we just don't recognize that Jesus gave us fun. Like, those are beautiful things. And that's something you can experience in the home together. Um, so yeah, then that's the prologue. Moving on to the focused sermon text. I don't know if you guys have focused sermon text, but anyway. Luke 15, 17 through 24. We're going to do a little excerpt from the prodigal son story. Luke 15, 17 through 24. And this is, so the son's already run away. He's having a hard time. And now he says, but he then, yeah. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And he, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So this probably isn't a typical hospitality text, but I think it's important in illustrating how God thinks slash feels about expressions of hospitality. So there's probably a lot to dig into. I'm gonna focus on three things that I think are demonstrated in this passage. One is that hospitality is tangibly powerful in our lives. One is that, and then two, sorry, one, two. Two is that hospitality is celebratory. Um, they celebrate it at the end. We'll dig into that. And then three is that hospitality is uncomfortable. Um, 
So that's kind of the map, and we'll see if I stick to it. Um, so in terms of it being tangibly powerful, I think it's notable that the father, when he runs out to his son, he doesn't just bless him and send him on his way. It's not just a moment of relational reconciliation that happens here, but he brings the son into the home and in doing so, works this thing. So the son once belonged in this home, he spurned his belonging and left out, insulting his father, and then he's restored. And he's not just restored through that simple blessing, but he's restored through a dinner and through a party and through welcome into the home. So that expression of hospitality is the tangible picture of restoration. Um, sometimes God's love can feel really abstract. Hospitality is one way that brings it down to the tangible. We talk a lot about how God loves you and like you, it's the typical, like even like on the street evangelist idea of God loves you and has a plan for your life. Well, let's just talk. What if instead of doing that, I'm not, I'm not saying we should do that, but to really show God's love, to go out to somebody and say, hey, you got a place to go for lunch? Come on over. There's a little more tangible demonstration there. Um, and in this side of it too, we recognize that we're just receivers. Like there are two sides to hospitality. I'll get to the giving of hospitality when we start talking about the discomfort. <laughs> but the tangible powerfulness is in being a receiver to see that the kingdom of heaven is something we are brought into. I don't just go and enter it. I'm brought into it. We're given belonging. I'm not earning my place in God's home and God's kingdom. It's given to me. And the fulfillment that I get from being in the kingdom of God is just given to me by God. It is provided through him, not something that I go out and seek. Like there are things that are gonna be great about the kingdom of heaven, but I'm much more excited about being provided a spot at Jesus's table. Um, and then we reflect the. so this is a little bit of what it's like from God. We're called to reflect that. And a couple stories to illustrate what that might look like. I had a friend who is a little bit of a crazy bold friend, but he was in line at a Caribou Coffee and met a Somali guy in line. And just kind of maybe prompted by the spirit or maybe just feeling a little energetic in the moment, invited this guy and his family over for dinner. And they had a dinner together, they had a great time. At the end of the dinner, the patriarch of this family stands up and in expressing his gratitude said, we've lived in the US for 14 years and nobody has ever invited us into their home before. And like with tears in his eyes, thankful for that experience. Um, another story, I went to Saudi Arabia in 2020, right before everything locked down. I was there in January and spent some time in the major cities in Riyadh and Jeddah, but I had a good friend who lived in a small town about an hour and a half outside of Riyadh. And when I was talking to him, he told his friends and cousins and family members in his small town, a town of maybe like 50,000 people, he told them that an American friend was coming to town. And his friends demanded that he bring me to their house. 
we, I visited nine homes in 36 hours because so many people wanted the honor of extending hospitality to the, the American. Um, in fact, like it was going to be eight, but we added one at the last minute because he was so angry that we didn't visit him the night before. <laughs> that was just a different emphasis on hospitality. So I share those not to like encourage, like this is how we need to practice it as much as to imagine yourself as the receiver of hospitality in this situation. And to think that when Jesus says, he goes and prepares a place for us, that we, the receivers of that, experience this incredible blessing, like what he shows us and then what we experience. I mean, for me being in Saudi Arabia, that time in that small town, visiting those homes was the most fun and most memorable parts of that trip. This Somali man and his family, like incredible blessing in that. So I'm sure you guys maybe have your own stories of receiving hospitality. Imagine that in projecting, like coming into Jesus's home, him opening the door to us and welcoming us into the room that he has prepared. It's just a beautiful thing to meditate on as you think about it, reflecting that heart. So that's receiving it. Hospitality when it's given is much more draining. But I think moving into the celebration part, if we think about how hospitality could be celebratory, it maybe can reframe some of the draining, stressful parts of it. So what do we tend to celebrate with hospitality? Occasions, birthdays, graduations, holidays. And that's great. Like, but I think one of the interesting things that stands out from this parable is that the father is, I mean, there's an occasion of the son's arrival, but the things that are being celebrated are a little bit different. It's restoration, belonging, fellowship. And there is a sense in which it transcends occasion because when he addresses the second son, he said, the father says, you live with me all the time. All that I have is yours. You can have your friends over and have a party whenever you want. So there, that kind of expression of hospitality that he's throwing for the restored son, it's not restricted to that moment or occasion. But then how do we think of our hospitality as celebration in a way that moves closer to that. I think, it, I don't know, I like thinking about it in a humanistic kind of sense. That when we have people over for dinner or we have somebody live with us, it can be a celebration of our shared humanness. The fact that we belong to one another. Uh, I can't remember what the reference is. I think it's Ephesians 4 something. It says we are members of one another. Like, that's worthy of celebration. Anything that brings us together so that we know that we're not alone in this crazy, chaotic universe is an amazing thing worth celebrating. We can celebrate that on that simple level. I, I don't know, even when I think of the next time we're gonna have people over for dinner, I'm, it gives me a little bit more joy to think like, yes, locking arms, fellowship, oneness, hooray. <laughs> um, and compare this to outside the home. I think like there is a sense in which you do get to experience belonging to one another, fellowship, and meeting for coffee. But I also think that that's more of a casual connection. There's nothing really given or received in a coffee shop or a brewery kind of context. You have a good time together and it's great. And it's good to have those conversations. I'm not disparaging it. 
but there is something slightly transformative about crossing someone's threshold. Um, you, like, if I open my home to you, you get to experience my life. You get to see my family. The defenses and pretenses drop at least a little bit. And you become part of my life for two to three hours or something like that. Um, different than a coffee context. I even recently visited a new friend at his home. We just sat on the porch and had coffee. Conversation could have been had at a coffee shop. But man, when I just walked up to his house, I felt like I more involved in his life. I felt like there was some sort of deeper connection. There's something visceral about it even that's hard to describe. But like next time you go to somebody's house, think about that. Like, what am I approaching that's different than just a community space? Um, so also in the vein of celebration, I think it's helpful to look at like what the father does. What are the father's qualities in the parable as he comes to the son? One, he's generous. The best robe, shoes for the feet, fattened calf. He's holding nothing back. Two, he's enthusiastic. He sees the sun coming down the road and he's not like, oh, that's cool. I'll just sit and wait till he gets here. But he runs off and meets him and then gets his servants going on the meal right away. And then it's open. It's open even to the second son who's a little indignant. <laughs> um, so all of these qualities, I think, are things that we can pray about, think about, it's also, it maybe goes without saying, but all of these qualities are toward someone. You can't be generous without someone to be generous to. You can't be enthusiastic without someone or something to be enthusiastic about. Same with openness. So it's great to think about hospitality, but you do kind of have to bring it back to the tangible and practical. And I know that's kind of like one of the complaints that I even expressed about the books. And so there's a yes and no quality of like, yeah, we do need to affirm the practical, but where does that come from? Because if we force ourselves to do it, we'll still burn out. Like if you walk away from this thinking like, gosh, I've got to just have people over for dinner more, got to summon up the energy, ah, then that's not going to be helpful. Like that's not God's kind of welcome. So I'll get to that as we dig into how hospitality is a challenge. Um, as I mentioned, we're in hospitality recovery. Now I'm at a point in my life where I really, I used to have energy for hospitality all the time. I mean, we had people live with us for five years. We had people over for dinner like one, three times a week. Um, and now I'm like, I just want to like chill on the couch and order takeout. Like, let's take it easy. Um, how do we get to a place where understanding that it's important in God's economy, that we can actually get to that place of recovery and not just burnout. So first, again, looking at God. Is hospitality uncomfortable for God? Yeah, actually, it's kind of surprising. But you look at the father in this story and welcoming back the son who left his house dishonorably would bring shame on that father. So he is a wealthy, no doubt, has a great reputation in the community kind of figure, or so it would seem. 
But he has to sacrifice his reputation and bring shame on himself to welcome this dishonored son back home. That's uncomfortable. Even more to think of Jesus. How is Jesus able to prepare this place for us and extend hospitality to us? Through the cross. So Jesus makes a place for us through agony, through sweating blood in the garden, through the suffering that happened on the cross. To think then God's hospitality cost him much. And I think it's helpful then to think that our reflection of that unavoidably makes us uncomfortable. It's not like we have to wait to the moment of, now I feel comfortable with this. Now I can do it. But it's gonna be uncomfortable anyway. It was uncomfortable for Jesus. So in understanding that helps you move forward a little bit. Um, but since we're not God, <laughs> Jesus could go to the cross because he was God. He could sacrifice in that way in ways that like are too much for us. How do we come up with the ability to do that? It's through, well, hold on, before I, am I at the Holy Spirit part yet? Yes, it's through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, and isn't that great? Like American Christianity really gets the Holy Spirit really well, right? Like we've got this thing figured out. <laughs> Holy Spirit, just go out and get them. Man, sometimes I think we look at the Holy Spirit as if it's like an Iron Man suit of like, in one second I'm normal, I don't have any powers, I'm just a normal person, but then I'm filled with the Spirit and I've got all these powers and I can go get them. I just need to get myself to that point of being filled with the Spirit so that I can do it. I mean, I'm, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a theologian, so I don't really understand the Spirit myself, but I do know that the Spirit is with us all the time. That God is with us as we sang and that empowers us in ways that are probably intangible and difficult to quantify, but are very real. So I would say the best place to start with this is prayer and trust. That as we think about hospitality, we should pray about it. And gosh, we're approaching God in weakness, but he meets us with grace. So as we pray, we can also trust that God is one who answers prayer, who has given us his spirit, who enables us to do these things that he is passionate about. That's something I pray when I'm thinking how much we need new host families for international students. This is something that is on God's heart and he cares about, he is going to provide it. So if you think about practicing hospitality, it's something that God cares about, he's going to help you do it. Um, one verse that I think is really helpful with this is 2 Corinthians 9.8 where he said, he says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. It doesn't come from our energy. He's not saying like, you better be strong enough to do all good things. <laughs> but God gives you the grace for it. Another helpful framing I don't know if the wind is helping my voice carry or hurting it, but <laughs> um, another helpful context might be uh, in Matthew 11, at the end of Matthew 11, where Jesus talks about taking his yoke upon you 
and he will give us rest. It's this weird counterintuitive juxtaposition that he is telling us work for him and he'll give us rest. I don't totally get it, but again, prayer and trust leads us into this place where I think we will experience a supernatural rest for our souls as we do the work that he calls us to. So, in brief conclusion, I'm just convinced this is really what the kingdom is about. If I can encourage you to think that the kingdom, living a kingdom lifestyle necessarily includes hospitality, that's great. But all I can really say is pray about it. Hospitality is personal, and that being personal means it can be hard, means it can be great and rewarding, means it can, like, you have to clean your house so much. But thinking about it in terms of the kingdom is all I can do. And would encourage you to talk to me afterwards. Again, if you want to know what the two good hospitality books are, if you want to know anything about having an international student live with you, would love to chat. It's a blessing to be here with you. Can I close us in prayer? Forgot to open with it, so <laughs> we'll wrap it up. Oh Lord, we praise you that you are the sufficient giver of grace, that you are God with us. As we think about how to follow you, how to enact the kingdom on this earth, we just pray that you would give us your heart, that you would give us wisdom, that you would show us a way to move forward and that you would fill us with your spirit encourage and empower us that we would be your people who reflect your hospitality and help us to remember the greatness of that hospitality and the gift that we've received, that we would also live lives of joy and praise because we belong to you and we have been welcomed into your home and your family. So I pray that you would help us the rest of this day Refresh us and our souls in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a project of the Capital City Church in the West 7th community of St. Paul, Minnesota. Find us on Instagram at Capital City Church STP or visit our website for more information at capitalcitystpaul.com. Capital City St. Paul.